So it feels feels good to be back, Will, or what? What do you say? I don't know. Yeah, we haven't done this in a while. It's eh. Yeah. Hmm. Got a lot of news stories though. You know, but the thing is, we we've been working on something. Yeah. That's the thing. So don't think for a second we're not out here. You know, if you don't see us for a minute, we're still we're tinkering. We're in the background. Yeah, it's not a vacation. No, there's stuff happening, and you'll find out soon enough. But it's it will take a little while. But there's uh there's cool stuff cooking mm-hmm. in the kitchen, and Willie Do is the chef. Uh. Do you know? Uh, do you know which rapper goes by the nickname the chef? Mm. You might need Vin's help on this one. No. That'll be Raekwon of the Wu Tang Clan, sir. Uh, why is he called the chef? Well, because he's uh, he likes to cook. Yeah, no, no, that's just one thing. But in the in the in the in the hood, the chef is cooking. Uh, but we're gonna leave it there, okay. ladies and gentlemen. Yes. But I don't know if he even meant it that way. So I'm no. Uh, don't even. But that's what he went by, and that's where I want. That's all I wanted uh, to say. Uh. So you're kind of like Raekwon in this show, as far as I'm okay, concerned. Okay, then. Is that cool? <laughs> if we have that established, yes. Yeah, I mean, you okay. You, you basically uh, indicated to me that that's how you want it to be referred to. So from this point forward, mm. it's the chef. I've been saying that it's all It's Willie Do the chef. Anyhow, so we've been gone for a little bit. So we had, had a little preamble. We had, had a little convo because we've been gone for a little bit. So we got that out of the way. Lots of stuff happening in the world of technology well for one there's a new iphone which actually i don't even have this tab open i just realized that a lot of people are probably like why didn't you where were you well to be completely clear uh no invite to the to the event but you have enough videos anyways there's a lot of people that went it doesn't really matter you saw the phone you knew about the phone in advance to be honest because it it matches all the leaks and rumors as expected triple camera layout on the back, it's got like a frosty glass going on now. You've got the uh, the new greenish color. Mm-hmm. What 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 is the official name for this green here? Is uh, it's like a it's like a forest sort of. Uh, I'm sure they have a fancy name for it, but it's it's like a dark type of green, subtle, subdued type of green. Now, of course, advantages to going with this frosty glass backside. Is, uh, is presumably it's going to be less fingerprint prone. So that's something. The cameras, we learned a little bit about them. You got the ultra wide aspect ratio. Uh, during the presentation, some, some demos on using multiple cameras at the same time for recording for like a pro application. They showcase that it was like a jazz musician. So otherwise on, on the front of the device, it's pretty familiar. You have the same... So you have the same setup for Face ID. Mm-hmm. This is the Will's showcasing wow, the, different, very, uh, the different lenses. It was it was website. like a, it was almost like a camera event. This this website's very camera heavy. Very camera. So Just right from the get go, Apple very interested in showcasing the camera capabilities. Oh, and then of course there was the sweater moment where they showed the Christmas looking sweater, and they're like, "Look at the sweater fibers." Mm. Obviously, Unbox Therapy inspired with the beard hair test. <laughs> where they got the idea confirmed it via email prior to filming today did not confirm it 
accept my apologies. But yeah, they did the they showed the the sweater and they're like, look how sharp it is. You see the fibers. We're compositing about a billion photos together in real time, and we're snapping photos when you don't even think you're snapping a photo. That's what they were all on about. Uh, the other interesting piece of news from the iPhone event was in relationship to the cheaper iPhone standard iPhone 11 non-pro. And then on that model, it was less camera centric and it was more of the news was around the price point coming in at $699 starting price. So cheaper than the 10R debuted for at $749. So a nod there from Apple interested in moving down market from uh, a cost perspective. That's obvious in the price. That's not an opinion, Will. That's obvious in the price. Mm -hmm. That's something they did. Have lie. they been watching Lou later? Probably not. But uh, they, they don't need to, you know, because they've been looking at global smartphone market trends. They've been tracking, as you would if you were a many, many billion, almost trillion dollar company. You'd be paying attention to this kind of thing. And so now you have an entry-level iPhone at $699. Obviously, not the cheapest option in the smartphone game. Plenty of smartphones available, two, three, four hundred dollars but it puts it kind of close to devices like OnePlus, like the 7 Pro is kind of uh, tinkering. It's teetering on that, mm -hmm. on that same spectrum. So Apple has a play there. From a technical perspective, the cheaper iPhone, the iPhone 11, lacking one of the cameras. So a bit of a step back there. And then, of course, the display. That's the other big difference. You've got an LCD display, or I mean, they call it liquid retina, but it's an LCD display, slightly larger bezel to go with it. Obviously, it won't be as bright and vibrant as the OLED display on the bigger, more expensive brother, the Pro model or the Pro Max, which as you know, very exciting naming. We kind of knew, we kind of had heard about, there was the rumor that that would be what it was called, mm -hmm. but everyone was like, I don't know, can they, are they really going to call it? the Pro Max, and sure enough, that's that's the name. So you have the iPhone 11 at uh, $699. Then you go up to the iPhone 11 Pro. Then you go all the way up to the iPhone 11 Pro Max, which is probably the longest iPhone name ever. Mm -hmm. Now imagine if you had an S model, Will. You could be the iPhone 11S Pro Max. Although maybe they'd just be done with S models at this point since right. they have the Pro designation. Right. Who really knows? Uh, so the Pro stands for premium in this case. And they, they, were, they wanted to emphasize the Pro characteristic in the keynote by showcasing the video functions and spending so much time on the cameras. So I wasn't at the event. I have not had my hands on the, the actual device. But we're so close to the, to the launch now, the public launch, which I believe is the 20th. Mm -hmm. So... Presumably, we'll have the devices in studio. Just purchase them from the Apple Store uh, because because they're not, they don't they don't send them to us. That's just a fact. Mm -hmm. They don't they don't send us the iPhones. We got to go buy them. And hopefully, I'll pick up a couple of colors. Oh, by the way, the green is midnight green. There's also space gray available, silver and gold. But there's no more rose gold. They don't put that in there. But I think in the presentation, he said a new gold. Right. So it's a slightly different gold hue. 64 gigs, 256, and 512 available. Oh, the device is also a little bit heavier because the battery got bigger. That's also worth noting, and hence the pro designation in the battery life department as well. So, I mean, you knew, you probably heard this stuff. You're watching this show 
you're following what's going on with the iPhone. You're watching the videos that are out there that were shot at Apple headquarters. Uh, Apple headquarters is a very pretty place, Will. I mean, you can't dispute that. Yeah, the circle. It's a fancy, futuristic theater. The lighting is there. The phones are there. Tim is there. These are all facts. Kind of like this set right here. These are all facts. Yeah, <laughs> this is what we, we've, uh, we've replicated here. It's, it's on the same level. Yeah. You have Apple HQ over here. You have the infinity uh, circle, whatever you want to call it. Loop. Infinity loop. I just think that's the name of the street that it's on. Anyway, and you also have this, our, own, our very own infinity. This is our very own infinity loop. Yeah. I think it's very it's similar. It's uncanny. Yeah, I think so. it's very similar. Did you hear about this Tesla stuff, Will? They, uh, Elon, he was paying attention when Porsche. See, I, I did that for the Germans. I did that for the British fans. That's the way you're supposed to say it, Will. We talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Got to remind myself, Porsche. Make it a little bit longer. Porsche. I noticed when you watch the videos, when, when like automotive videos or whatever, they, they, they're very comfortable with a Porsche. Like they do the uh yeah. really fast. Porsche. It's like a subtle craft. Yeah, it's Porsche. Because otherwise you end up doing this Porsche thing, mm -hmm. which is too much. So I'm working on it. I'll get there one day. Uh, so Elon was paying attention when all that news came out about the Taycan, which is, of course, their new electric, all-electric vehicle. They did this event. They, they dropped some specifications. They talked about lap times, specifically on the Nuremberg Ring. Nuremberg Ring. Nuremberg Ring. Which is the world-famous track in Germany where you would go and test for a lap time to determine how capable your vehicle is in a racing situation, not just in a straight line, but around bends in a racetrack environment. And so many, many popular vehicles, uh, commercially available uh, vehicles, have, have lap times at the ring, as they call it. And enthusiasts use that number as a method for figuring out the raw potential of the vehicle outside of a drag strip, outside of a straight line. Because, of, because of course, there's various race car driving that happens where they, you know, they're taking mm -hmm. turns well. Mm -hmm. There's more to, to racing when it comes to, well, I mean, lots of F1. Yeah. Uh, it's a good test track. Uh, like what do you got? Grand Prix? Mm -hmm. Le Mans? I mean, I played these racing games at some point in my life, so. Yeah, Gran Turismo. Uh, anyhow, so for, for, the, for the longest time, the Model S P100D with the ludicrous mode on it, or the extra power in there, the dual motor setup, has been dropping some crazy figures in a straight line from zero to 60, like sub three seconds, well into the twos, just crazy. If you've, I've, I've experienced it, you experienced the Model 3 launch? Model 3, yeah. Yeah, which S. is also equally kind of crazy. I think that one's more like three seconds, but it's still, it's a pull. It's some torque on it. Anyhow, so the Model S, the high-end version, some, some crazy speed figures in a straight line. <clears throat> but up until this point, it hasn't really had a reliable ring time because of the setup and electric motors and so forth, there have been some issues with getting a reliable time on the Nürburgring. Elon saw that, that 
Porsche was out there with the Taycan stating that they had this incredible lap time for a four-door vehicle breaking records. And he was on Twitter almost immediately after saying, ah, okay, okay, challenge accepted, so to speak. And now there's been this vehicle out on the ring testing. It looks like a Model S, but it's not. It's like some kind of upgraded Model S, some sort of Frankenstein Model S. They're calling it the Plaid Model S. Now, Plaid representative of the ultimate performance stage for launch. Like, you put the car in Plaid. I think it's an homage to Spaceballs, if I recall correctly, where he switches, for, he goes beyond warp speed into Plaid. Uh, so this, this Plaid model is a three-motor variant, Model S. And if you look at the images here, you go look them up, or Willie Duke can show them to you. This Plaid Model S has a spoiler on it, a, a totally different looking rim and tire package. And there's something looks different about the car in general. I'm not, it's lower. I mean, mm. pr presumably there's some modifications that have been made here. It is not a stock vehicle. And, but anyhow, it is on the, the Nürburgring and an observer, this is a report via electrek.co, They've always got the hot news on the electric vehicles. An observer decided to run their own time on a lap around since it was doing the testing. They noticed, oh, that's a special Model S. I'm going to just use my own stopwatch, maybe on a smartphone or something, and see how fast it's going. They recorded a time of 7 minutes, 23 seconds, which, of course, beats the published time, the Taycan time, by like 20 seconds. So it crushes it. I believe they were at seven, yeah, seven minutes 42. So now you have this uh, ongoing conversation. You've got this uh, back and forth, a dialogue between Porsche and Tesla over who's got the dominance on the Nuremberg and who's got the highest performance uh, electric, fully electric vehicle, fully electric sedan. Obviously, one day we're going to see that Roadster, and who knows what those numbers are going to That's going to be a different story. Mm -hmm. Now, I know a lot of people are probably like, what is this? Uh, what, what kind of a match is this? Like, no one's driving their cars like this. What are we doing out here? This is crazy. But there is something to the dominance mm -hmm. and, and, and having a vehicle that you can where you can make a statement like this, and then individuals thinking, well, if they can do that, then it's, I, I'm never going to find myself in a situation where I would ever want anything more out of the vehicle because when pushed to its extreme limits in this type of circumstance, it prevails. Right. So there's like a mind, there's like a psychology to yeah, it. Yeah, and there's like a test of engineering too. That too. It's to kind of just fun speed. if you make things to test them right. and see what happens. So this is obviously promising. I'm sure if once these numbers become official, I'm sure Elon Musk is going to be very happy about that. The argument against it that's being positioned here in this article and on social media is that the Taycan numbers were on a finished uh, available vehicle, a commercial vehicle. Like a, They don't call it a commercial. What do they call it? Not a commercial vehicle. Uh, they have a name for this, for a vehicle that's actually a production car. There we go. Jeez, Lou. Get with it. Extra coffee. What's with the paper bag? I don't know. We'll get to the bottom of it one day. Uh, so if it's not a production vehicle, the time doesn't really mean much in terms of how people track and keep tabs on the most amazing lap times on this world-famous track. Mm -hmm. 
the Taycan was a production vehicle, whereas this one with these modifications presumably isn't at the time being. But you know what Tesla could do, Will? They could just go on their website and put a little tab for Model, Model S Plaid and be like, and just put pre-order pending or whatever. Right. Now it's a production. <laughs> they could just snap, That's true, yeah. snap their fingers. And if they plan to produce it, maybe even in small quantities, it all of a sudden becomes a production vehicle with three motors and some unbelievable lap time. So it's all very interesting. But there is, of course, this is officially a competition now by the looks of it. And Tesla is out there. They're in Germany. And they're, they're looking for the crown. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of exciting for electric vehicle fans. Uh, got some news here. Regarding Oppo, we looked at some of their devices recently. There's a, another one coming out. It's like it's crazy. I, they don't sleep. Oppo doesn't sleep. Did you know that? No. No, they don't. But like if you're always yeah, like if you work for Oppo, innovating. You don't, you don't Just sleep. Crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, anyhow, they've got a, a device coming out called the Renault Ace, and it is going to debut supposedly 65 watt fast charging. And they put out a video on Weibo, which of course Chinese social media showcasing this device uh, getting 100% charged in 30 minutes on the 65-watt charger. And it's kind of shocking. Of course, the clip is sped up to 16 seconds. The, the 30 minutes is down to 16 seconds for the purpose of the clip. But it puts another device beside it that's using the previous generation charging, which is VOOC 3.0, which we've showcased. It's still fast, but the device that's next to it only gets to 39% in the same amount of time, which for half an hour, that's pretty decent, right? But this is just shocking. So here's the video. Will, Will found it. This is 65 watt super VOOC charging. And you can see the clock going here. And it hits 29 minutes and it's 100% charged. And so this is going to debut on a device actually really soon. I believe this is coming out in October. And let me just verify that. It also, yes, October 10th, it will, there will be an event for it. It's also going to come with a 4,000 milliamp hour battery and a 90 hertz screen. So similar specs to like the, the OnePlus devices mm -hmm. there. But of course, with this, this just completely bonkers charging at uh, 65 watts. What does this mean? Uh, presumably now, you're seeing the beginning of the end for nighttime charging like right. even thinking about having to charge at night just casually charge whenever because now you're in, a, in it up. yeah you're in a territory where it's like oh i'm just drinking my coffee or i'm just uh, having a bowl of cereal and that's going to be enough in some cases for the day or you know i'm just gonna plug it in before i hop in the shower <laughs> it's you know, you know what i'm saying right. it's it's kind of crazy i don't know what it'll mean for battery health long term obviously that's tough to predict. Or heat. Heat and all these other factors that are going to be involved. But it's a, it's a staggering achievement. And the pace at which these improvements are taking place is so rapid now in the charging department that you're starting to wonder if you could get, you could maybe see a day, Will, where you could have 10-minute ten, ten charge. Just mm -hmm. a 10-minute, just bam, ready yeah. to go. Maybe not even plugged in. Just wireless. Wireless 10-minute charge. Yeah, we're talking about the future. That's what we do here on this show. So, uh, oh, is that what we do? Oppo Renault. Keep an eye out for it. Renault Ace, I should say. I've got a chart here. This uh, came via dig.com. This simple chart shows how deeply smartphone sales impacted the camera industry. Uh, I don't know. Is it a viral tweet? 
It's only got, no, it's on Instagram, actually, where the chart was originally published, 597 likes. The impact of smartphones on the camera industry. Of course, this is an interesting topic. We, we mentioned earlier in the show about how Apple recently spent a tremendous amount of time in their event talking about cameras on the upcoming iPhone. Smartphones have become the most popular, if not only, camera that a person owns or has in their pockets. I remember in the early days of Flickr. Flickr. <laughs> Who even remembers Flickr? I remember I was into photography at one point in time. It's sort of before this channel started. I was into cameras and Nikons and or Nikons and uh, the earliest Canon digital SLRs. I had a Rebel T2i at one time. I had a, a 60D when this channel started. I had a, uh, a Nikon D90, D70 before. I mean, so it's crazy. I was into it. Anyway, old, old school days of Flickr was a place where you would pub put these photos, publish these photos pre-Instagram. Uh, but anyhow, I remember following charts of like the, the smartphone takeover where it was like, because they track the metadata on the photos. Mm. So you know where the... The, the source of the geotagging right yeah through tagging yeah. and just the yeah just the metadata there and it was you know, slowly the iphone started to take over as the most popular wow. camera on Flickr, and of course social media just exploded that even further once people got onto instagram and wanted to share their photos in that fashion this is not news to you you know this but i'm reminiscing obviously but this chart just showcases how stark how you can you can pinpoint the moment at which it was a wrap. Like it's 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 hard, it's uncommon to see a chart like this where one new technology completely displaces an old technology just overnight. It really looks overnight. So it happens around 2009 where smartphone sales just go up this incredibly steep cliff and where camera sales peak the previous year, I guess in 2008, either 2007 or 2008 around 120 million units yeah when the iphone came out right right around the time that the original iphone came out cameras were peaking they were cool people right. like digital cameras it was like i'm gonna take a photo of my vacation or whatever it was mm. they were just becoming so convenient it was like post film camera they were so cool but obviously smartphones changed that in a big way now i do have i don't know this this chart's a bit confusing to me at least because the smartphone figure is 1,472 million smartphones sold on the chart, and the cameras only reached 120 million. So is the chart deceiving me, or do you understand what I'm saying here, Will, where they look to be roughly the same height, even though smartphones past <laughs> should be like 10x higher. Right. But maybe just to illustrate so that the chart didn't get too crazy, maybe I understand what's going on there. But anyhow... Nonetheless, it happened around 2009 and into 2010. And basically within one year, maybe two years, the camera business fell to 15 million units annually from 121 million. And smartphones went from zero to around 15, 1.5 billion. What is 1,472 million? <laughs> is that 1.4 1. 1. billion? 1.4 billion, right? Yeah. yeah so. I mean, it's just a staggering. It, it it showcases the growth of smartphones in general, but when you when you contrast them against another technology, you understand how much more significant the smartphone was than anything else we had seen before it at that time. So cool little bit of info, tidbit there. Got some Netflix news for you, Will. I know you're a big big Netflix guy. You like to stay up on the news. You like to know what's going on. 
what's what the upcoming shows are, what's leaving, what's coming. It's always changing. Well, as you know, there are now fourteen thousand streaming services that you that you have to be subscribed to. Yeah, I know. Kirk is he's panicking. What do I do? Where do I subscribe? What do I cancel? What do I keep? It's so much to hold it all together. In fact, well, Netflix is trying to make it easier for you if you're a Seinfeld fan. They just paid $500 million. To be clear, Will, that's half a billion dollars. Just to be clear, I know you uh, you have trouble. You struggle with the numbers sometimes. <laughs> What's the number? Yeah, see, that's a big one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big too number. Too many. Yeah, there's a one couple numbers. Zeros, there's right. a lot of zeros in there. So anyhow, they pay half a billion they say, Netflix says on record that Seinfeld is fresher than ever. The humor, people can't wait. I mean, that's their line, Kirk. Don't give me that face. Of course they're going to say that. They just spent $500 million. What are they going to say? It's not as fresh as it was? No, they got to say it's fresher than ever, and they do, rightfully so. So they uh, purchased the global streaming rights from Sony Pictures Television. The crazy part here is the final episode of Seinfeld aired in 1998. Now, that is a number of years ago. That's the final episode, and they're still banking to the tune of half a billion for these rights at a later date. And I presume that Unbox Therapy episodes will garner a similar investment from streaming yeah. services in 20 years. Right. I'll be counting on that $500 million at that point. <laughs> it's funny how absurd that sounds, but in reality, that's how these streaming services work. They're, they're buying up essentially buying up videos that were uploaded to TV 20 years ago. <laughs> they were uploaded to TV, man. Anyway. No, I don't know. I don't I don't think this this kind of thing will ever happen again because well, maybe. I we'll see what happens in the streaming services wars because everybody's launching a streaming service. I've covered it on this channel. You have Apple TV Plus and Disney launching in November. Those, of course, massive players in the media market landscape. You've also got HBO bringing their product called HBO Max. They're taking friends from Netflix. And uh, Vin was telling me, what was the other show they got, Vin? Are you there? Did they get The Office? Oh, Big Bang Theory. And they paid like a billion for that, according to Vin. You, can, you don't even know who Vin is, but hold him accountable, not me. So you have HBO Max, Apple TV Plus, you got the Disney service. Of course, Hulu still exists. Amazon is streaming. Netflix is there. That's a lot of services for you to choose from. So they're uh, they're taking their stand, right? They're each one of them is banking on a particular show, which they think is going to help them bring in new subscribers and also keep the subscribers that they have. So there's a there's a swap with friends. Oh, and by the way. Netflix, The Office was the other one, the other chip that fell. I know a lot of people like to binge The Office, Will yeah. included. Yeah, it's a classic. On Netflix, but NBC is also launching a streaming service, NBC Universal streaming service coming out in 2020, and they'll be taking The Office back. Mm. It's an NBC show and, to, and removing it from Netflix. So it's, wow, it's complicated out there. Mm -hmm. This is not an easy one to navigate. Obviously, you got to make your choices, I guess, based on the shows that are important to you. But in, this is what the streaming wars look like. We're yeah. getting, we're, we're catching, we're getting a nice, solid glimpse into what the streaming wars mean and how it's all going to going to map out and break down. I guess uh, it's going to be back to torrents. <laughs> <laughs> That's rude, Will. How dare you? But I, you know, it's a good. I should position a question to the audience out there because. I, uh, nobody knows better than they do what their threshold is for subscription services. 
How many are you willing to have and which ones are important? Will you consider swapping your Netflix subscription for a different service that's out there? Maybe Disney, maybe Apple. The interesting one with Disney is ESPN. I know a couple people corrected me in the comments saying, look, it's not full out ESPN. Right. Right. They're saying it's like a, a really nerfed version. You're not going to get streaming stuff. But who knows? That could change. Disney owns ESPN. If they say, hey, streaming is the most important to us, maybe they change their strategy and start offering up more. Mm -hmm. on the ESPN piece because it is a differentiating characteristic compared to the other streaming services that are that are fighting for your monthly revenue. So it's it's uh you you let me know which one you would consider switching to keeping and so forth or maybe you're done with all of them. I don't know. I'd like to hear about that as well. It's uh it's really interesting. Anyhow, uh we've covered GameStop a little bit in the past. I think I have a soft spot for GameSpot maybe more so EB games locally, but it's really the same thing as game right. spot because I grew up going to these stores game if I was gonna stop or game spot. Game spot game stop. Game stop. Game spot. Yeah. What did I say? Game spot. Spot. No, stop. Spot was a website. It's a website. Which yeah. I also used to frequent as a kid all yeah, the time to to look at uh video game reviews. Uh sim very similar names obviously. But uh no I'm talking about GameStop the store. And locally, a lot of them were EB games, even though now there's game stops here. It's all quite confusing, but they're very, very similar. This is the store you go into. And everybody knows with the carpet on the floor and the games on the walls and the dude standing behind the counter that knows everything about video games that's ever happened. That's what these stores are. And of course, in the in the early days when you couldn't download games, this you could also play demos there, pre-order, all these things. Anyhow, uh, we've reported here, I guess, on the show in the past how they've been running into some issues. And presumably those issues are related to uh, people downloading their content now, being able to get their games digitally and not have to walk into a physical store. Obviously, also the, uh, the entire resale segment, the trade-in segment, shrinking at, uh, in terms of scale from where it once was. They've tried a number of things. Uh, as you can see from the image Will's showcasing here, bringing in other memorabilia and merch and uh, characters and figures and accessories. And there's even some gaming PC stuff I've seen pop up in the stores from companies like Razer. Just trying to figure out what the future looks like if you're GameStop and how to continue to compel people to come into your physical stores. So they have uh, laid off some employees... Uh, they've tried to restructure. They've looked at the various options because the, uh, I mean, obviously the store is less popular than it once was. That's how you end up having to make these decisions on restructuring. And the big move, the next big move is to change the look and layout of the store. That's the thing that's happening now. And this is going to roll out in the coming days, actually. And there's a video that leaked, a video tour, actually, that leaked from a GameStop in Oklahoma and I guess this, this guy published this a bit early, but according to insiders at IGN, this is an accurate look at what the redesign is going to be. And, I mean, it's still a game store from what I can tell uh, watching the video. It's, it's still a video game store, but there's some changes that have been made. Uh, there's a retro gaming section. The carpet is gone. It's like, a, although I think they started doing that already in a lot of stores. Oh, yeah. Switching to a flooring like this. But you see there's a section there, like a couch-looking section for playing games. At the back of the store, there's some CRT TVs. 
and retro gaming. They want to make a play on the retro gaming, try to get the community of retro gamers physically into the store. Uh, he also, in this tour video, he showcases a monitor on the wall for browsing stuff that's not physically in the store, but might be on the site that you might be able to order, including retro games. Uh, there's big, big monitors. Everything's a bit more gray now, a bit less red. Uh, so look, here's the thing. It's, it's not going to be easy, obviously. Uh, change never is easy. We've, we experience this firsthand and on the daily. I uh, I have sympathy. It's you got to re you your it's a constant uh, reinvention process, adapting to the times, uh, evolving, and so forth to to maintain even just to keep what you've got, let alone to continue to grow. And much like the conversation previously in relationship to cameras and smartphones displacing cameras, the digital download has had a similar impact on the physical. Like they're selling snacks, will. You see the snack wall there? Yeah. Like you got to you go to buy snacks as well right. at the place. <laughs> Did you laugh? You laughed at the snacks. That's well, I'm rude, just thinking, man. thinking like you pick up Borderlands 3 and like a couple gummy worms, you know? It's just kind of Is it like sad? Are you sad right now? Uh It does yeah. it seem does it seem to it's you does it seem to you like a last ditch effort? Yeah, it really is. But hey, you got to give them the effort. I mean, these are like what oh maybe 50 100 stores that they have to redesign and it's a whole process uh it's complicated they said they could close up to 200 underperforming stores uh their their sales decline is around 15 percent. i mean this doesn't go well for companies man it's really hard to turn this kind of stuff around exactly when, when the market trends are pointing in one direction but you know this just got me thinking you laughed at the snack wall but i was just thinking to myself what if they had like obscure Japanese and Korean snacks and stuff like that? Yeah, that you it would, can't. It might be because gamers know, love around uh, their type of crowd. I'm just saying, I don't know. Maybe that's too far off, but I see that wall of snacks, and I'm like, maybe if, because like, originally when you would go into a place like this, the cool part would be being introduced to something that you didn't know existed, like bumping into something, being suggested something. That happens less now with the internet. Mm -hmm. Maybe to, in the snack department, I'm not, don't take my advice on this. I'm just talking right now. I'm just making noise, but it's, it's hard to figure out what other side business, and this is obviously what they're trying to do, what other side pieces and businesses that are close to gaming. Right. I know they talked about having potentially uh, competitive gaming, right. like little local competitive gaming leagues and things like this as an option. That may be what the snacks are for. If you're, Snack and play might be a thing, although then it gets kind of messy. Everyone's snacking around the thing. It's like an internet cafe at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. Which you don't you don't see many of those here anymore. They're still popular in Asia to a certain extent, but look, look, it's tough. It's tough out there. I applaud the effort. You got to do something. I would say keep trying things, even though it's risky. Uh, it might not go well <clears throat> either way. It might not be enough to turn it around, but. Once again, I'll throw it to you guys in the comments. What what would it take for you to walk back into a GameStop? What would you need to be there for? What would you be looking for? Would you buy the snacks? What if they were obscure and interesting and possibly foreign? I mean, I'm just putting that out there because maybe because I like those snacks because I go TNT. <laughs> yeah, and and shout out to the new TNT competitor. What are they called down the street? Ranch Fresh. Ranch I Fresh. Think. Apparently, Will says they're crushing TNT. I mean, yeah. that's his words. That's not my words. Yeah. 
they're doing great. Anyway, so I'll check that one out too. But I'm into those type of snacks, you know. Anyway, uh, here we go. We got another folding phone leak. This is from Lenovo, and this is so weird. This is a dual folding phone, not nothing like what you think it is. Not dual folding, like we showed with the with the Xiaomi prototype, where it folded from each from each side inward to create like a square. This is a portrait style phone, similar to the, how the Razer was gonna fold. It just folds in two spots. There's two different variants to it. It has a two-spot fold, two-hinge fold. I don't think that's it, Will. That's a different oh, that's prototype, cool. I think. This 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 particular patent filing, it just it just came out. Uh sep September 10th. Not just just, but September 10th. So it's pretty fresh. Uh this story, I'm reading it here on MSPowerUser.com. Of course, the patent originally was detailed on Let's Go Digital, where all the patents go to live. Uh, it's very Razer-esque. I think you're still missing it there, Will. The headline is, Lenovo publishes patent for double-fold clamshell smartphone. That's the uh, that's the head headline there. So it folds in a clamshell style, Razer style. And uh, the, the, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what the purpose of this is. The, the middle fold makes sense. It just goes in half, like the screen folds in half. That seems to make sense, right? But the other fold is kind of like a partial access fold to shrink the height of the device so that you can interact with it possibly in a one-handed fashion. Uh, apparently, this particular device is uh, set to go on sale in Europe. Oh, the Razer version of this is set to go on sale in Europe. Uh, January 2020 for around 1,500 euros, which surprisingly makes it one of the cheaper folding phones. Mm. Uh, what the two bending areas? I don't know. Do you have any insight on this? Uh, if you actually will, if you go and click on the patent, there's a button down there. Click on, click here for patent. View the patent. Yeah, there you go. And you scroll down, you will actually get a a representation of the two. See the two folds there, and then watch how it folds. In each spot, it's very bizarre. Hmm. Uh, so the original spot is pretty obvious in the center. But there, look at the other spot. As it keeps scrolling, figure 10. Couple more scrolls, Willie do. There you go. So that presumably is another way to interact with your device. You have a half fold and a square portion of screen above that, possibly for single-handed functionality, to take a phone call without unrolling, unraveling the entire thing. It's bananas. It's bonkers. It's crazy out here. Hey, they're trying something new. Stuff's going on. Yeah. Stuff's going on in the world of folding phones. It's not stopping. It's like it's almost like we got some new patent hitting us every week, every couple weeks. Or maybe this. Uh, oh, here we go. Like hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me put my seatbelt on here. <laughs> I just gotta get prepare myself Conspiracy. for this rough ride. What do you got, Will? Well, He's, wait, wait a second. Let's uh, just make sure we're all ready. Kirk, are you ready here? Will's going deep right now. What do you got? Um, this doesn't fold back, right? I'm guessing it just folds on the screen. Go on, Will. Well, I was thinking it could be like a phone case or a phone holder. Like if you just put it in the oh, back. Oh, Willie Do. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, Willie Do. Ladies and gentlemen, Willie Do. Kirk, you got cut to Willie Do there. There you go. Now just hold this frame for a little bit, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, Willie Do. We just got to let... No, oh, let it sled it simmer! Let it sit. 
Keep it there, Kirk. Don't move that camera. You understand? This is Willie That's Dude's too much. No, this is Willie Dude's moment right now. That's that's a little too much. I like what you said. I didn't think I was gonna like what you said, and I like. But what it you seems said. like the case is in that the partial you fold. There, that will stand up. It would. That will stand up on the tabletop when you're eating your cereal, your breakfast cereal. Mm -hmm. You understand? What are you doing for breakfast cereal? You don't eat cereal. No. But if you had to eat a cereal, uh. Probably Fruit Loops. Oh, you go all the way. Yeah. You don't. You go like I don't usually, but if I do, I'm going all the way. <laughs> yeah. Why that's, not? You know. Yeah, that's the kind of guy you are. Okay, cool. So this How one, Will like? Will thinks the secondary fold is for some kind of a standing position. Is he right? Is he wrong? Time will tell. I would love to see your speculation in the comments section. You go for it. All right. Last one for me. Bad news for Microsoft as Huawei starts shipping MateBooks with Linux. This is something I saw so many comments about this when we started talking about operating systems, Huawei, and the trade ban. People were like, I don't get it. Yeah, okay, fine, you're working on Harmony OS, but what about Linux? It's out there. It works, right? Why not just, at least in the Microsoft, from the Microsoft perspective, you can you could leave Microsoft pretty quickly. Like, Linux is fairly well developed. Now, I'm not speaking from personal experience. I don't use Linux. I haven't used Linux. But from the fans that are out there, uh, there seems to be the implication that it is a valid substitute and, uh, uh, you know, a, a nice OS. And in some cases, people argue it has advantages over, uh, over Windows. The company, Huawei, is running the Deepin distribution in particular, which is a Chinese branch of Debian. Now, I remember this stuff because I had to dabble a little bit into Linux when I was doing Hackintoshes, if I recall correctly, back in the day. I might be wrong. But, but that rings a bell to me. So they started selling the MateBook 13, MateBook 14, and MateBook X Pro running that OS. So running Linux in China. And l listen to this right here. The company, this is also via MS Power User, by the way. The company is running the Deepin distribution, which has been called the single most beautiful desktop on the market. Who, who's calling it that? They just there's just a quote there. I don't know who's calling it that. I mean, somebody somebody out there. Maybe the guy who made it called it that. Yeah. Probably. I mean, that would make sense, right? Which is fine. I, I, it's, it's if you're gonna make something, you should be confident about it. So you're showing it here. This is Deepin. Mm -hmm. Wow, that looks all right, Will. Yeah, it's got like a Mac, uh, Mac OS kind of stuff. Yeah, it's got like a Mac OS skin looking thing to it, and I see the various spaces. There's a dock visually very uh simple dare i say simple can i say simple is that all right with you will yeah yeah i can say simple so anyhow you now have mate books imagine that buy them from straight from huawei with this os and of course this allows them to get around the restrictions the microsoft related restrictions with the trade ban trump and so forth and linux is it's a pretty fl free-flowing environment you want to put a linux distribution on you get right down to it you get right to it uh, no disruption to the business, and and potentially a lot more people getting into Linux. So this is kind of scary, I guess, maybe for Windows, if you're Microsoft. Uh, if you're Microsoft, if you're Bill Gates, maybe you you hop on a plane, you go to Washington, you, you, you visit Trump, you take him for some fine dining. I don't know what he likes to eat. What do you think he would go for, Will? Um, probably, the cheap, probably, probably chicken. Oh, yeah, KFC, that's right. Famously, he enjoys KFC. Yeah. Uh, speaking of KFC, I had the Chuck's chicken sandwich last night. Oh, yeah. 
uh, because of the chicken sandwich. I know everything, uh, you know, it, it, it simmered down mm. with the chicken stuff, but it was a fantastic chicken sandwich. That's a local spot. Great. You can't go get one. That's a local spot, but it was a the original sidetrack, just original chicken okay. sandwich. Yeah. Why? Which one do you did you get? I go for original as well. Oh, original, okay. Because yeah, there's a spicy one and I there's know. a few different. There's things. like a sweet one as well. Yeah, there's a few different things going on. But I got the original. I got the potato wedges as well. Mm. Uh, I also tried the uh, what is it the the what is the fry that looks like a basket? Remind me what that's waffle fry. Waffle fry. Yeah, like, that's too proper the way. That's you're way saying. better. The waffle fry? Yeah. Yeah, the waffle fry was unbelievable. I completely agree. Yeah, it's great. The waffle fry was unbelievable. So anyway, I don't want to talk about food too much. Kirk is mad at me every time. He goes, <laughs> he goes, it's five. He goes, it's this time of day. How dare you yeah. do that to me? I'm sitting here. You're talking about all this. Anyhow, that's not the point of this. The point of this is uh, Bill Gates has to go buy Trump a chicken sandwich or some KFC and tell him, look, dude, we got to lighten up here because we're going to, the world is going to get to see that Linux is half decent. And, and they're going to get to see it out the gate in a commercial product, right? And, which has a big footprint, which maybe this has happened in the past. But as far as for, for me, there hasn't been a product or a laptop on the radar out the gate, as they say, shipping to me with Linux. But now I'm like, maybe I'll give it a shot. I'm kind of curious, especially when you showcase these slides to me. And now that I know that there's a, a number of devices that from a hardware perspective, we've seen these Matebooks, dude. The fit and finish, those are tight. Yeah. I mean, maybe we should get one. Yeah, get maybe Linux. we should try this this Linux thing out and see how it goes. But who knows how long it'll last? Because I'm sure Bill, he's already on the way. Mm -hmm. He's got the he's got the Chick Fil A. He's, he's got, got a the bucket of Chick. -fil -A. He's got the Chick Fil A. He's got the KFC. He's got Popeyes. the Wendy's. Yeah. He's got McDonald's. Did you ever see that photo when uh, tr uh, Trump was hosting the football team? Oh yeah, with a bunch of Big Macs or something. <laughs> he was hosting the football team, and the White House chef. They were on strike or something. The, the White House people were on strike. Yeah, yeah, it was. They were on strike. What? What? Whatever. No, Vin. No, no, no. The White House kitchen was not there, and he said no problem, and he got okay. What does he have on the table? Definitely McDonald's. There's definitely Big Macs. Uh, he did get some salads too, by the looks of it, in the middle. So he covered that as well. That's Couple Wendy's on wraps. the left. What's that? Couple wraps. Oh, like no, that's rapper. Wendy's rapper, though. That's Wendy's face. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a Wendy's rapper. So oh, it's I mean, like, wraps, as in, like... I don't think they're wraps. They're I wraps. think that he just had Wendy's burgers oh. big and Big Macs. And that might be chicken, the one on the right, with the mm. blue McDonald's. Mm. And uh, I presume there's probably fries, some there as well. Somewhere as well. But anyhow, uh, this is... This, if you look at this spread that he has in front of him here, this is what Bill needs to bring by right now. So Bill, he drives over with a van like that full of this, and he says, let's ease up on the band because Linux is, people are shipping it, and they don't mind it, mm -hmm. okay? So that's how that goes, Will. Now you understand. I'm very happy about that. We're back. We're back. Are we back? We're back. We're back. You and I, we're back. Kirk's back. Vin's back. Jack's back. Uh, the dog is not back. Say no, goodbye Say goodbye gone. to Brownie. It's a, it's a, Brownie got a new home. Should we do a commemorative? Let's do a commemoration. We'll never forget our favorite little pup, Brownie, been in the office waiting for a new house. Will he do? Sending him off. Let's get a shot. There it is. It's, uh, look at how cute that dog is. I mean, if you don't have a smile looking at this dog, I don't know. Uh, there might be something wrong with you. You should get it checked out. So.
That's it, Kirk. On that note right there, I'm not going to do a better outro than Brownie. That's it.